0: You're seeing 60 to 70% of people age 65 and older who are going to have a long term care type of event. Now, whether that's a small event or a larger one obviously remains to be seen, but that's a high percentage rate.
1: Welcome to the All Things Retirement Podcast. With certified financial planner Anthony Alpha, here's your host, Ben George. Glad to have you back on all things retirement. We're going to be talking about why and how you might be flirting with disaster in your financial plan. Some areas that you just might be not paying attention to and should be or just haven't updated in a while. We've got five things we're going to run through on the show today to help you out, to make sure that you are aware of these things, that you put them on your priority list if they aren't already so that hopefully once you get to retirement, these things don't come crashing down on you a little bit later in life. Let me welcome in Anthony Alfo now, certified financial planner and the founder of Cardinal Wealth Group. Anthony, good to talk to you again.
0: Hey, good to be here, Ben. Thanks.
1: How's everything going around the office?
0: Everything's going really good. Just kind of getting ready for uh, the summer weather. Looking forward to it for the uh, Jersey Shore up here in New Jersey. So uh, looking to- do some things with the family. So we're going to actually rent a house this year. So much different than last year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Which is a good thing. I think for in a lot of cases, and I I think of summer, or I think of, you know, the the warmer weather, windows down, top down, if if that's your thing. You know, I think of music. A lot of times I associate music with with the summer and, you know, different event, life events and stuff. What's a, a song or artist that people would be surprised that you listen to or like?
0: Yeah, um, I would say that uh, the, the Eagles, the band, the Eagles. Uh, okay. So, um, And actually, uh, the first time I saw them was with my dad. That would have been when I was probably 20. So it would have been almost like 20 years ago is when they just kind of more or less, uh, I guess, reunited going around the country. Mm-hmm. And I saw them in Atlantic City. Uh, we were basically uh, at the side of the stage. That was the first time my dad and I went to, a concert together i I think um nice. and the second time we went to a concert is when I bought him Eagles tickets for his birthday not too long ago it's actually right before Glenn Fry actually passed away which is one of the uh founding members of it so I've always liked them I think that the average uh forty year old uh you're not gonna probably run into too many that are uh <laughs> listening to the Eagles <laughs> but uh yeah I've always really liked them and uh like listen to all the guitars playing together and just have always, for some reason really uh, hit my ear in a certain way. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. I uh, I enjoy the Eagles as well. I don't know if you knew this. I'm a big Alabama fan. I think I've told you that before, but uh, Nick Saban, the head coach of Alabama, their football Mm -hmm. team, he is a huge Eagles fan. That's by far his favorite band. So. A little, uh, a little note there. You and Nick Saban have something in common.
0: Yeah, if we ever get trapped in an elevator, we have something to talk about. <laughs> he,
1: he loves golf too, so there you <laughs> go. you got two things y'all can talk about next time you see him. Um, look, today we're going to get into the flirting with disaster. Five kind of, I wouldn't say necessarily problem areas, but they could become problem areas if you aren't taking care of things, if you don't have a comprehensive plan put together that are tracking these things consistently, you know, year over year, every couple of years, whatever it is. But we need to make sure that these things are on your list that they aren't. So let's kind of kick things off with legal documents in this conversation. So many times, I think a lot of people either have legal documents they put together, you know, when they had a child born or something like that, got everything kind of filled out, and then just, you know, locked them up somewhere and didn't think about it. Or, you know, for a lot of people, they just haven't even put together legal documents at all. But either scenario, if you aren't on top of this, can be a problem.
0: Yeah. Can you hear the yawns now? Like, who, whoever (laughs) wants to talk about. Legal, legal documents, of it legal it's, documents. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's gotta be one of the last things that people want to talk about. We recently have, uh, right now we're doing all our, like call it our annual client reviews basically between April and May. And okay. that's kind of when we center around, like, what do we want to focus on this year? We go up. Um, over the updates in terms of their their numbers and any outlying things out there that we haven't accomplished last year and just kind of really put together kind of prioritization list. And one of the topics is um, with one of the clients this week was about getting her estate plan done. And it's been one of those things that was on our list last year. And it's not like the process is really difficult, right? You can look up in the yellow pages, a state attorney and call them up and for most people, I get there's some complex estates out there for sure, but just the basics of getting a health care directive, a power of attorney, a will, and maybe a living will and whatnot, and just making sure your beneficiaries are in in, uh, in the right place as well. It's not that really hard of a process. I think that, you know, that's where an advisor, the best ones are making sure your intentions, your best intentions are actually being met and making sure that those things are actually getting done. Because I, I think. There's always something out there that you know that you should be doing that you just didn't get to. And I think those best advisors are going to really make sure, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, I, I know that this is really important to you. You know, how do we actually make this happen to you? I want to make it so that you look back this year and that you're very excited that you've knocked this thing out. And so let's figure out how we get that done. Whether it's just setting up an appointment and coordinating it quarterback wise, which is actually something we actually recently did the prior month with a, a client. Ironically, it took them a year to actually come around too. But we actually said, well, we did the upfront will call it checklist, gathering the uh, important information that the attorney would need. And we actually did a, a, a Zoom conference call with the attorney, intro them and really got the everything pretty much done in terms of the preliminary uh, documents that they needed. So it's, it's super important because obviously um, there's a lot of things that can Go wrong uh, at such an emotional time where you lose a loved one, and if those documents aren't up to date, it makes it that much harder. And then on top of that, people have changes in their life, right? So if mm-hmm. you're you did it when you're married and had a couple kids, and you haven't looked at it in 30 years, and then all of a sudden kids are grown up, maybe have married, and also uh, maybe you've remarried. You know, it, it's certainly a good time to really make sure that they're always up to date. But I think catching people in that transitional period for retirement, it's always a good time to, to brush up on if it's still up to date or not.
1: Yeah. I mean, you make a great point that it's not difficult. Like it, it doesn't take a lot of work or a lot of time necessarily. It's just one of those things where, like you said, you mentioned legal documents and it's like, oh, this is going to be a drag. It's going to take a little bit of time. It's not going to be fun. A lot of times you're thinking about your own mortality. So that's another kind of aspect to it, but it is important to do. And it's something that, as you mentioned, a good advisor will kind of help kind of keep on, keep you on top of and make sure you're, you're taking care of it. And you touched on beneficiaries, which, you know, we also need to put on this list because it's the same thing. You know, you, you open up retirement accounts or whatever it is, you, you may be, hopefully for one of the first things you did was put down a beneficiary, but over time, a lot changes in life, right? You have a second kid or have a first kid, get remarried, all those things you talked about, but the beneficiaries, if those aren't correct, that could be a huge issue for your family.
0: Absolutely. And so if we're going to kind of frame it in terms of this is about people getting near retirement, there's a good chance that if they do have kids that they're older and and maybe even married themselves with divorce rates uh, somewhere in that 50% range or maybe higher, a lot of people who've worked really hard to put themselves in a good situation don't want to see their assets being lost, you know, due to marriage. And so it's not uncommon for people to want to make sure to update their estate plan so that if you know the assets ultimately do get passed to the kids, that they do go to them. But in a lot of cases, they want to make sure that maybe it never becomes a marital property because of the divorce rate. And they want to make sure that you know the kids never get the grandchildren never get disinherited. That's another reason to really make sure that the estate plan is buttoned up for sure. And then Certainly, to your point on the beneficiary designations, well, number one, beneficiary designations supersede the will, meaning that you could have everything going to one person in the will, including any of those IRA, life insurance assets that you intend. But if the IRA or the life insurance has your previous ex-wife listed, that's where those assets are going, no matter what the will is, no matter what the intentions are. And they certainly would be contested, but it's it's not going to work out in the favor in most cases. So it's really important that if you are starting a new relationship with an advisor, that that's one of the things that should be on your checklist of items to do to make sure that you have the right beneficiary designations and that they flow properly with the estate plan for sure. And if you're just doing investment advice, certainly that's going to be, and you're opening up a new account, that's going to be another time to do that. But you know certainly with people getting remarried, it's not uncommon kids getting older where you might want to change it or, or your tax situation is changing. you know things change and, and so it's it's really easy to ask for a beneficiary designation form that your advisor or yourself can even pre-fill most of it where you can just go and review it, sign it, and submit it and it, it can be done in really in a, in a few signatures within 24 to 48 hours so it's not difficult it's just about you know, setting aside the time to get it done.
1: Yeah, all about setting aside the time and and managing that process. But, you know, this is so important. It's a great reminder too, like you said, that the beneficiary supersedes the will. So you want to make sure it's correct.
0: I'd say one other thing that why it's also important, the, the beneficiary designation is really a layup to get that done because you don't need an attorney or anything like that. So if you want to make sure your spouse or your kid or whoever you want is getting that, It's going to be really good to make sure that that's accurate because even if you have estate documents, the estate settlement process can get held up in court for a year, two years, or three years, even with documents. But the good thing about the beneficiary designation is if something happens where you are deceased, those beneficiaries do not have to go through the estate process for those assets. And it's really just having the right documentation. You can take receipt of those assets within we'll say within less than 30 days, typically, and open up the new account and take receipt of that money very quickly, which is helpful in case the estate assets do get tied up in court, you have the liquidity of those IRA or life insurance assets.
1: Yeah, great point. Well, you mentioned earlier about you want to keep as much of your assets as possible. Well, one way to uh, to do that is with proper tax planning. And not everybody's thinking about that when it comes to their retirement plan and you know, a lot of your investments are in tax deferred accounts. So another spot where you could be flirting with disaster is that tax time bomb.
0: Right. Obviously, if people want to learn a little bit more about that, they can check out our website. We do have a lot of information there. It's not just a plug for our website, but we do have a, a tax toolkit that they can uh, click on, and and we'll you know send it over to them via email. But I think that part of the thing with the ticking tax time bomb, as you said here, is that the way that everything's been set up where you've always been told common financial advice open up your 401k or ira put all your money in there get the tax deduction let the money compound and build up and when you retire you'll take it out when you're you know at a lower tax bracket it's really what's been preached not just by your company and your relatives and family and friends but also by advisors that's what the common you know financial advice has been i think that that needs to be Looked at in a little bit different lens today, there's just a lot of pressure on, say, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, uh, the national debt, where there's certainly a potential for tax rates to rise to help you know pay for some of those programs that are you know running into some financial issues. Um, there's other ways to deal with it for sure, what, adjusting benefits and and whatnot. But I do think that that's something that. You're going to want to think about. And I don't think a lot of times people always put enough time into thinking about how they're saving. You know, you get this job, you're like, here comes the 401k email, and you just say, great, I'm going to put it right in here as much as I can, which is, you know, the hard part is saving the money. But you should also maybe think consciously about, well, what type of implications is that going to have for me now, but also in the long run? So if you are one of those folks who put 70 to 90% of all your liquid money into a 401k IRA, regardless of, you know, your your tax bracket and and stuff right now, just thinking about if it ever does change where you're, you know, in a much higher tax bracket in the future, you probably would have wished you would have done it a little bit differently. And that's just really a risk management thought process that you need to be thinking about and saying, maybe I should not put all my money there. Maybe we should put some of it but maybe we should put some of it into, say, a Roth 401k, which is very common. A lot of employers also have a Roth 401k where you can put it in post-tax. You don't get the tax deduction, but that money's going to grow tax-free forever. So that's, that's one thing that you want to think about it from a risk management standpoint, just in case tax rates do rise in the future. The other thing is that you want to look at it from, can you take advantage of tax brackets today and the way that you're saving. So maybe it actually doesn't make as much mathematical sense to put all your money into, you know, pre-tax accounts. So for example, if if you're somebody who's already in a lower tax bracket in a 10 or 12% tax bracket, maybe it doesn't make sense to try to get a tax deduction there and it makes more sense to try to, you know, just pay your taxes on that money at this time because is it the chances of it getting any lower? It's probably slim to numb in a a lot of ways. The best way to look at that is from a planning standpoint look at where you're at today in terms of a tax situation and maybe try to map it out over the next 10 years in terms of if you're currently working versus being maybe semi retired, maybe thinking about starting Social Security or your pensions, looking at when you're 72 and you have required minimum distributions. Well, you can kind of pinpoint, or what we do is kind of pinpoint what they're potential tax rates going to be at those different times um, over the next, say, 10 years or so. And we try to identify when, if anything, we should be pulling money out of you know, their IRA accounts prior to age 72 to try to take advantage of certain tax bracket situations that they're in.
1: Yeah. Planning is so important when it comes to taxes. And again, if you haven't visited cardinalwg.com, do so. And around the front, you'll see uh, the tax free retirement toolkit that Anthony offers. It's right there. You can just click, get your toolkit right on the front and send it over to you and to give you some things to think about. And, and again, for further planning, you always want to sit down with a professional and go through that, but tax is so important. We hammer, we hammer this, that point home a lot, but it's because it is such a crucial part of retirement. All right. Um, next thing, long-term care expenses, another spot where it could be disaster for you. And it's not something again, kind of like legal documents, you probably don't get excited thinking about long-term care expenses, right? But it is such a key part of the retirement puzzle, right?
0: You don't want to think about when you're in a diaper.
1: <laughs> I'd, I'd prefer not to. Yeah, We're, you know, <laughs> you and I are in the same boat. We're changing diapers all the time. I don't, I don't need. I don't want to think any more about them, if possible.
0: <laughs> this is true. I'm looking for a break from that at some point, but there's no insight <laughs> right no. now. Yeah, I think that that's with the tax topic. Obviously, you know, am I going to run out of money? That's that's usually the number one on their mind, but. The other third part of that uh, stool, if you will, the other leg there should be thinking about the healthcare, long-term care situation in the future and what your plan is for it. Ultimately, uh, you know, the answer might be to do nothing for you for reasons of cost or health, or you might you know, have a good family support cast that you're going to lean on them at that time, that they're going to take care of you, or maybe you're going to use your home as your final asset or, or Medicaid. So, You know, you might end up doing nothing like and not buying any insurance. And that's perfectly fine. I think the main thing is to make sure that you go through a process and you think through it so that you have a clear framework of understanding what your decisions and options are and laid out for you and what it actually costs to fix it. The other side of it is to, you know, run an analysis to see, you know, what a Fifty to maybe one hundred thousand dollar type of event over a year, or two, or maybe three years, and see how that would affect your overall retirement success rate. And if you're somebody who can weather that storm and it has additional and and uh, assets, including house and stuff like that, maybe you're one of those people that are just going to roll the die and, and not protect against it. But there are other people who want to make sure that they're going to get a certain amount of assets to the next generation or to somebody else. And the long-term care, you're seeing 60 to 70% of people age 65 and older who are going to have a long-term care type of event. Now, whether that's a small event or a larger one obviously remains to be seen, but that's a high percentage rate. So if you're really looking to protect your assets, it's something that you really want to think about and, and see if you can afford... Ah, uh, to put some budget in towards with regards to your retirement. I would also say that for a lot of people who think of it only in financial terms, like paying for an insurance or it being a cost, I think the other side is your own, maybe we'll say dignity. Maybe that's not the right word. But in terms of, you know, taking care of your own self and making sure you're getting the best care possible as opposed to going to a, a we'll call it a facility that, it's going to have less thrills, less quality of care, because again, a, a Medicaid facility is, is not it's going to be operated on a lower budget. Whereas hopefully if you have a plan and money set aside for it in an insurance policy, you can get the best care possible at what you would say is a tough time in later on in your life where you might want to have good quality of care for yourself.
1: Absolutely. Well, let's close out on a an investing conversation here with The classic 60 40 portfolio. And you might think, well, how is this going to get me in trouble? Because, you know, for a long time, it's been the kind of the recommended approach or very standard approach for many retirees 60% stocks, 40% bonds, the 60 40 portfolio. So, Anthony, how can this get you in trouble?
0: I would say more of the issue is just going with the common financial advice and saying, take, you know, 60 40 and, and put your money that way. And that's all you need to do. I think that people could get injured just taking that common financial advice that people hear all the time and and applying it to yourselves. There's just so many different variables with everybody's own situation. And the easiest way to really figure out what the right setup is for you is to go through some type of process where you're going through a planning process to identify, well, how much risk do you actually need to take in retirement uh, to achieve some success as however you define that? And does that match up correctly to your own risk profile in terms of how much risk you want to take with your money? And see if those two items you know fit together. And if they do, that's fantastic. So then that's a great fit. And if they don't, we got to find some alternative ways to get you there. And so I think just taking that common financial advice approach in not just with the 60-40, but there's many other adages that go into financial planning that people just kind of run with is not really going to be the best approach. And you're going to want to take more of a custom approach anytime that you can. So that's what I would say in in most instances makes the most sense.
1: Well, a custom approach is always going to be most beneficial for you as an individual. And that's how you're going to also take care of all these items on this list too. Or at least ensure you're taking care of them working with an advisor, a certified financial planner like Anthony, is going to make sure that, you know, you're taking care of each one of these things, checking them off your list, going through them, reviewing them, assessing your situation and making changes as needed. So Visit cardinalwg.com. That's the best way to get in touch with Anthony, but you can also call directly 609-362-5512. And also that toolkit again. So we talk taxes, check out that toolkit on the, on the front of the website, request that I'll get it out to you. A lot of good resources in there. So Anthony, it's it's a good conversation for sure. And I think it's one that, uh, you know, hopefully we will benefit a few people along the way. But the key is planning is always going to be important to make sure you avoid these key things because you always will work with people to make sure these things are on their list.
0: Absolutely. Yep.
1: Well, let's hit a couple of mailbag questions before we get out of here. Uh, maybe I have time for one before we call it a day. We got one from Bradley who said, should I be completely maxing out my 401k and Roth IRA before opening a taxable brokerage account? Or is there a benefit to opening a separate brokerage account to provide a little more flexibility, even if I'm not maxing out the yearly contribution on the other two?
0: That's a great question, Bradley. Uh, It's one of those that I would go back to the previous thing that we just talked about. It kind of goes back to the overall plan and um, looking at it from today, but also in the future in terms of what you're trying to achieve with that money. And there's some ways that you can do like what's called a a tax what if scenario. And that would be a way to kind of get an idea of if you're looking at the trade-offs from a tax standpoint today, you can kind of look at that and say, well, if I put it all in the 401k or the Roth or the taxable, what's the trade-offs if you're looking at it from a tax standpoint. Certainly looking at maybe the purpose of the money Right, if it's for retirement versus saving for uh, to buy a second home or to pay down debt, that's where you might want to look at the taxable account for its flexibility. Also, I would look at you know what are you going to invest in. So if you're investing in certain types of income-producing assets, it might not be the best to put it in a taxable account because you could be triggering uh, ordinary income tax short-term gains with that, and it might be better served into like a four hundred one k or Roth IRA. Where you can shield it from the um, income tax that w- that would get triggered on an annual basis for putting an asset like that in there. So those are some of the things that I'd be thinking about in terms of figuring out what the right mix is for for you, Bradley.
1: Great question, Bradley, and thanks for uh, sending that in. It sounds like you are a good saver, so great question and and again, if you want more information. Uh, You can reach out to Anthony directly, cardinalwg.com. All right, we'll close it out on that note. Got a couple more mailbag questions we'll carry over to the next episode, so make sure you subscribe or follow wherever you listen on whatever podcasting app you choose so you won't miss out on that next show when it comes out. Anthony, thanks for the time today.
0: Thanks, Ben. Have a great day.